Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Welcome, Deco, your burnout fans, to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I am joined by Joe Schmidt, who is an award-winning broadcaster, community leader, author, and popular keynote speaker. He's a 2019 inductee into the Minnesota Speakers Hall of Fame and has earned his certified speaking professional or CSB designation from the National Speakers Association. He's won 18 Emmys from the National Television Academy. And in 2020, he was awarded the Silver Circle designation by the Upper Midwest Chapter of the Emmys for extraordinary contributions to the broadcasting industry. He was also honored with a National Headliner Award in 2001. So lots and lots of awards. In addition, he's an author of two award-winning books, Silent Impact and The Impact Blueprint. And he's here to talk to us today about the power of impact and how that might be able to help us avoid burnout. So Joe, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, doctor. It's good to be here. And uh, I like the topic. Burnout is a big thing for a lot of people. Absolutely, it is. And speaking of burnout, I understand that you have a burnout story yourself. So I'm going to give you the stage and please share with us what your experience was like. I've been in broadcasting for over 30 years. And about 10 years ago, I had three children that were all in the eight to 12 kind of category, doing all their sports and plays and music and dancing and all those things that everybody goes through. I was working nights, weekend, weekends, and holidays uh, covering Minnesota professional sports. And at that time, we had some really good teams. I was traveling a lot. I was gone a lot. I was working crazy hours. And I really got to the point where I realized that I was giving more to my job than I was to my family. And I had an opportunity to become president of a media marketing company. And after looking at all the angles, I decided I needed to do this because I was burned out in television. I just wasn't into it as much as I used to be. I had my priorities were a little screwed up. So I went and I started a business with another gentleman. We ran the company for a few years. And then I had an opportunity to go back to business. They called me back. My old station called me back and asked me if I would come back and take my old job back. So by this time, I had been out in the corporate world figuring out what was going on there, all the ups and downs of that. But I realized that if I went back into the business, I couldn't put myself right back on that treadmill. 
So I set some rules for myself. I set some guidelines for myself. I made a box, an imaginary box. And I said, if it didn't fit in that box, I wasn't going to do it. I was going to say no more often. I was going to say yes to my family first. And since I've gone back, I've been able to manage the schedule without a lot of burnout. And my family sometimes gets sick of me. I'm around so often, so much more. So it really was a couple of things. It was you had to set your priorities. And then you had to be firm because I'm naturally a pleaser. And when you're naturally a pleaser, that can get you in trouble. So that's where I kind of developed that imaginary box. And things that I would say yes to before, I would say no to right away. You know, I thank you very much for the opportunity, but I'm just going to have to pass on it this time. You can be respectful, but I said no to those opportunities. I'm so glad that you are sharing this because we call pleasers on this show feelers. And it sounds like you're maybe a combination of a feeler and a doer. And essentially, these are different burnout profiles that contribute to our burnout. And what's really nice about it is you're not just sharing your story, which clearly there were environmental stressors with all the things, all the demands at work, plus like kids and extracurricular activities and all these things. But there's also the stuff that comes from within and that people-pleasing notion is something that is kind of hardwired for a lot of people and we feel guilty saying no. And so what I love is you've made this mindset shift where not only did you create the boundaries, which a lot of people have a hard time with, But once we create the boundaries, it doesn't stop there. We actually have to follow through on those boundaries. So it's really nice to not just hear what you did, but also you shared with us an example of what that might sound like for people who are like, I don't really know what to do and how to say it. So that's a great place to start. So thanks for sharing all of that. Well, well, thank you. It's a commitment. And I remind myself with the commitment. When I speak to leadership groups and companies and associations, one of the exercises I do is call them impact resolutions, where every month you concentrate on a trait or a value you want to get better at. So to back up my imaginary box to make sure I don't get burned out again, I do impact resolutions. So, And every month I change my trait. It might be patience. It might be communication. It might be respect. It might be, well, this month I kind of have two. So I put a sticky note here on my desk so I can see it. It's grind and focus. So the, the grinding is make sure they work together. Focus so you're working on what you need to work on. Don't get distracted by emails and phone calls and, and so forth. So it's a matter of prioritization. So by doing that, I keep my mindset, it's top of mind. And I make that commitment to myself so I don't slip back into those old habits that burned me out in the first place. Yes. Okay. I love that. So this is actually something that anybody can do. So if you're listening to this, I wonder if you could do something like that with yourself, have that impact resolution where you put that sticky note in front of you, keep the top of mind and stick with your commitment to yourself. It's one way of upholding your boundaries. And with all that, since we're on the topic of impact, I know that you have a lot more to share with us on what it means to have impact. And I think maybe we can start with what are the biggest myths that you see with regards to this topic? Well, the biggest myths I think that 
people think they have to be a leader or have to have a title to make an impact. And that's not true at all. You don't have to be an extrovert. You could be an introvert. We did research on companies and organizations, small, medium, and large. And we asked questions that hadn't been asked before. Questions like, if there were a going away party tonight, who would the most people show up for? Well, we didn't find that person in the usual place. It wasn't the person who sat in the corner office all the time. Sometimes it was the person who cleaned the corner office. But these people all had some traits in common, purpose, persistence, and passion. And that's what we talk about a little bit, that most people have it a part of their DNA. They are more aware and intentional of what's going on around them. They don't think about themselves first. They just kind of naturally think about others first. And my tagline, and it's actually what I call that is silent impact. And that's what I've written my first book on silent impact. And what we found out is that we make our biggest impressions when we're not trying to be impressive. And that's what I call silent impact. It doesn't have to be that leader standing on a pulpit yelling and screaming and, and, or a coach leading a team through a charge. You know, sometimes it's the person picking up litter. You know, I just talked to somebody the other day, a college president would go out for a walk every day and he'd walk. And, and this is the way he connected with his staff. He would walk like at 630 in the morning around campus and he would take a different staff member every day. And what he would do is pick up litter. And if the president of the university is doing this, it had an impact on everybody he walked with. He wasn't doing it for a show. He was doing it because that was part of who he was. That's what we call a silent impact. So you said the three P's are purpose, passion, and persistence. Persistence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So pur purpose, great. I can explain a little more if you want. Purpose, you align your actions with your values. That's your purpose. You know, if you can align if your purpose matches up with something you like to do and something you're good at, you can be pretty happy and you can be pretty effective. You know, a friend of mine, Tom Wenninger, unfortunately he passed away. He wrote a book called Your True DNA, Your Divine Natural Attributes. And that's when he talks about aligning your purpose with what you're good at and what you like to do. That's when you really become a person of impact. That's when you become a person of significance. Persistence, we found out these people are persistent in their positivity and they're persistent in their preparation. They were always prepared, but they were always positive. Who do you like to hang around with? People who are positive. And last but not least, this person normally was a person of passion. They were a heart and soul of the operation because they simply cared. They had that passion with them. You could feel it when they walked in the room. And you put them all together and you can be this person of impact. I love it. That's fantastic. Okay. So that's really the first myth is we don't want people over profits. Those are two Ps. Yep. yep. <laughs> Purpose, persistence, and passion. Yeah. And I didn't really talk about that a little bit. The people over profits, that's the next level that we've taken the impact. Coming out of the pandemic, we did some research once again, because everybody's going to have culture problems coming out of the impact. You know, right now, if you're not giving your people a reason to stay, they're as good as gone. 90% of the companies and businesses from your local diner you know, to the gas station to corporate America has problems recruiting and retaining talent. So if you don't develop a culture first mindset, if you don't put people over profits, you have no chance. And when you put people over profits, do you know what the byproduct is? Wild success and profits. <laughs> Because <laughs> you'll have healthy, happier people who want to be there. They want to be productive and they feel valued for what they do. Yeah. And I think that they also buy in to the mission of the organization, right? 
because if there isn't that discrepancy in values. And the mission today, doctor, I think you'd agree with me, has to be more than just earning money. Oh, 100%. You know, especially with all the generations in the workplace. The younger generation wants to work for the greater good of the world. They just don't want to make money. And they don't mind making money. There's nothing wrong with that. They want to live and they want to be able to sustain themselves. However, what are what is the company doing to help the communities they serve? You know, what are they doing? Do they really care about the people who work there? Do they really care about those communities? And when you put that together, that becomes part of this world-class culture. Yeah, I bet that if more companies were doing that, we'd have less resignations, less quiet quitting, less of all of the things that were, and less burnout, really, that we're seeing right now. So this is really important work. Okay, so myth number two. Myth number two, I got to look at what I wrote down because it was been a while. Soft skills are more important today than ever. Well, that's, I actually should have done the myth the other way because <laughs> soft skills are more important today than ever before. And, you know, it used to be in business, people would go for the MBA, they'd get their master's, they'd get their doctorate, and they'd do everything by the book. Well, those days, it's fine. It's great to have those business basics. But if you don't master the soft skills today, you're going to have trouble recruiting and retaining people. You're going to have trouble building a great culture because people are going to be there thinking it's all about the business. You know, I I worked with a title company that had 11 different branches and I went to one of their management meetings and the CEO started off right away with a profit loss statement talking about who did good, who didn't do so well. And afterwards, I said, you're going to lose a lot of people, aren't you? He goes, well, I have lost some people. I said, well, that's because you don't care about them. And I, I care about the people. But anyway, we got him to change his mindset. So now he opens meetings, finding out how people are. And I always suggest open a meeting because you want to make better connections at work, right? You want people to like the people that they work next to, know people that they work next to. So he'll start off a meeting with what was the best concert you've ever gone to? Well, next thing you know, this lady sitting across from you who you've known for 10 years is a Rolling Stones fan, and so are you. You have a connection. You have something in common. You can talk about it. You know, those those kinds of things really make a difference in the long haul. So soft skills, uh, if you don't have that soft skills as part of who you are and what you are, you better surround yourself with some people, (laughs) good cop, bad cop stuff. And so I'm curious to kind of pick your brain for a second. What would you say are maybe the top three most important soft skills? Well, I would say if you kind of take a look at my culture first mindset, we talk about compassion Mm -hmm. because people want to be cared for. We talk about connections. What are you doing to connect your people? And then we talk about clarity and clarity is the catalyst for growth. If people aren't clear on what their job is, and why they do their job, and why it's important to the company, they are not going to be as productive. And then we take it the next step, talking about working for the greater good. If that clarity is just about helping make more money, that's not going to work out. But if that clarity is, hey, we have a chance as the company grows, we can all grow together. We all have a chance, you know, we all have a chance to move up in the company. We all have a chance to advance ourselves. And it's just a way to have a better culture. And I totally agree with that. And I like that you've brought in compassion and connection because those are things that we can work on in terms of skills, even if we're not so good at them at the forefront. But clarity to me feels more like the end product of something. And so what would you say is the skill that you need in order to get there? 
And well, it probably goes back a little bit to connections because when you connect, then you can have a little more clarity. But I look at it this way. In sales, they always say a confused buyer doesn't buy. In work life, a confused employee doesn't produce. So the employee has to know why their job is big. In our research, we also asked the opposite question, like who would the least amount of people show up for at a going away party? And that person was not a person of positivity. They didn't have a lot of passion. They were not the kind of team players you wanted. But then we dug a little deeper. We peeled back the onion a little bit because we figured somebody hired this person because they thought they'd be successful. But when we peeled it back a little bit, we found out that one reason that person wasn't successful is the job was too big for them. They weren't clear on how to do their job and why they had to do their job. So as a leader, you either have to supplement that person to get them help so they can become a lot more productive, or maybe you move them to another position where they can. You know, sometimes it's, you know, it's just a bad fit and that person maybe is better off leaving the company. But many times you can save that person just with some clarity. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, it makes me think of the importance they talk about of understanding what your role expectations are. Because a lot of times when you're in a position, maybe it's new or management isn't really clear, that sometimes that can contribute to burnout because you're not really clear on what you're supposed to do. And if the things that you're doing are actually critical and they're meaningful, and then you're not getting recognized for it. So it kind of creates this whole snowball effect. So I like that you brought that up. And then what's your third myth that you're going to talk for us? The third one is, you know, you hear that there's all these generational differences and people have working with have a hard time working with different generations. You know, in some companies, there are seven different generations in the workplace. And I say that's a bunch of baloney because no matter what generation you are in, whether you're baby boomer, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen whatever, no matter where you are on that spectrum, every single human being wants to be acknowledged and feel valued. And if you want to communicate with anybody of any age, that is your starting point. When you do that, it's a lot easier to connect. That's what I think sometimes baby boomers, you know, are the worst because they were saying, oh, these millennials, you know, they just don't do it. Well, communicate with them, find out what's going on in their life and acknowledge and value them. Reward progress. Don't wait until the project is done to say good job. Those are the things people need today. So just to recap everything that you've said so far, it sounds like what you're saying is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the impact that you're talking about is for business leaders and for organizations to perhaps prevent burnout in their employees and to keep their organization really moving forward and being successful. And in order to do that, They've got to be focused on the three P's. So purpose, persistence, and passion. They got to be focused on things like the three C's, compassion, connection, and clarity. And then it's really about valuing people regardless of what generation they are part of because they all have something to contribute. Yeah. And I think that everybody is a part of that because I believe that impact is contagious. I've seen it happen time and time again where you know, if a leader is doing something and stepping out, others will follow. You know, I cover professional sports and I talk to a lot of coaches about leadership. And, you know, it's always fun picking the brains of these coaches. But one coach told me one time, you know, when you have a perfect team, the best thing that happens is 
your best player, your best athlete is the hardest worker on the team. Because if he or she stays out late for practice, taking extra shots or running extra, what is the second teamer going into the locker room for? You know, if this person puts in extra homework, you know, watching film games and, and so forth, you know, what are you doing when you're not as good as that person? And then the other thing that I always got out of uh, coaches is this goes into that connection area I was talking about. You have to know what motivates people. There are some people that you need to pat on the back every day. And there are other people that they don't want to be patted on the back in front of people. They want to be told in private. There are, you know, so you have to, as a leader, that's your job to kind of understand what makes everybody tick. And the only way you can do that is if you make stronger connections and get to know those people. So a lot of this is obviously geared towards leaders, but what would you say for the person who is working either in their own business or for somebody else's business, what is a way that they can be impactful and have that help sustain them and maybe perhaps prevent them from burning out? Well, I think if you have an impact on other people, that is going to help you. See, I always say the more you give, the more you get back. You know, when... For example, when you volunteer somewhere, so many times you get so much more back than you give. And I always say I've never met somebody who's miserable of gives of themselves. And we all have things. We all have gifts that we can bring to the table. We're all really good at something. And if you don't know what that is, think about what people come to you for advice on. If they come to you and say, you know, what's a good book to read? They know that they're going, they're picking your brain because you're smart and you read books and they, you know, they trust you on that judgment there. But I just think the being more aware and intentional, no matter where you are on the organizational chart, you can make an impact and you can make an impact on people above you. You can make an impact on, you know, people below you. But I think the best impact is team wide. You know, if you're doing it right every single day, other people will too. Love it. Well, Joe, if somebody is interested in working with you or finding out more about the work that you do, where should they go? My website, joeschmidt.com. That's Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-T. And yeah, I've got a couple of videos and things I do. Keynote, I do seminars. I've got year-long programs. I produce videos for my clients on these impact resolutions to keep it top of mind every month. Because a lot of times the speaker will go in and do a great job. And then two weeks later, everybody's so busy, they forgot what the speaker said. So I want to have a follow-up care program. But it's been a lot of fun working with really positive people and seeing their change. And everybody's willing to do it right now. I mean, that's the great thing. With so many people working remotely, what are we doing to connect to make sure people know we care? So we can come up with some ideas come up with some objectives. You know, we plan our wedding, we plan, we got a business plan, we got a strategic plan. Do you have a culture plan? And what is your culture plan? What are some tenants your people can live by and know that everybody in the organization live by? That's what we can work on. I love it. All right. Well, I just want to recap for all of you thinkers out there. You know, you want to take a look at what can help you be more impactful. And remember, feelers, you want to stay committed to the boundaries that you set because those are going to help you prevent burnout. And for all of you doers, you know, these things also apply to you. You want to make sure that you put yourself in a box so that you're not overdoing it because that is going to lead to burnout. Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. 
And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do different because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you're ready to take the next step with me to decode your burnout, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.